You're listening to Season 3 of the Punk Theology Podcast. One lawmaker in New Zealand was doing just that, and she left her critics in Parliament baffled, but not over her policies, over her witty response to a heckler. That's right. 25-year-old Green Party MP Chloe Warwick was speaking about the zero-carbon bill and how it will affect generations to come when she was interrupted by another lawmaker who jeered at her age. Take a listen. In the year 2050, I will be 56 years old. Yet, right now, the average age of this 52nd parliament is 49 years old. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer! Okay, boomer! Okay! You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. Yes, listeners, this is Season 3, Episode 4. A millennial, a Gen Xer, and a boomer discuss the meme heard around the world. Okay, boomer, on this episode. Hey, if you haven't yet subscribed, smash that subscribe button. It's the punk thing to do. Hey, if you could leave a review to this podcast... Uh, hopefully a five-star review, like your Lyft or Uber driver, right? Give, give us that five stars, baby. And, uh, yeah, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, wherever you're hearing this podcast, reviews help uh, podcasts get uh, seen out here in the podcasting streets. We're scrapping for every single listener we can. And... Of course, man, if you like the show, share it with your friends. I don't know. Check out our SoundCloud, our Patreon page, punktheology.com. Let's get into it. There we go. It's stout, stout, bringing a dark Irish death. Beer. Out of a can. Out of a can, which is, is strange. Secondary, but it's still good. Yeah. This is from a brewery in... Uh, Ironhurst, isn't it? Ironhurst Brewery? Ellensburg, yeah. Ellensburg, Washington. About halfway down on my cigar, and we're talking uh, about... Derek, you had this. This was your your baby, your topic. I, sure. I like uh, I like where you're going with this. So I spent all last week, I took the whole week off. And I had a couple of days where I was just kind of home by myself, thinking about different things. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the whole I the OK Boomer thing kind of peaked. Well, it was probably three or four weeks ago, uh, and I think that whole thing is really fascinating. Right. And as we have three different generations here, I thought it'd be really interesting. That's right. To talk about it. Derek's the millennial. I'm the Xer. And I'm the boomer. He's the boomer. So and I'm kind of caught in the middle. I'm there. a weird millennial because I'm right at the early edge of it. So I'm not really in the heart of it. I'm yeah. right on the edge of being Gen X. I can pretend to talk. So, so boomers <laughs> are, what are we, 41 through 65? Yeah. 1941 no, through... No, it's older than... Oh, yeah, 1941. 1941 yeah. through 1965. Is that yeah. 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 accurate? Yeah. Well, I'm 56, so I'm right in the middle. Right in the middle, yeah. Right in the middle. Right. Yeah. So, I'm born in 68, so I'm a little 
four what years are you? beyond. I'm an Xer. You're an Xer? Yeah. Gen X? 68. So a couple things. I'll just kind of open it and talk about what it is and then why I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so first thing you should know about the OK Boomer thing is it was not, it's not a millennial thing. It's a Gen Z thing. Mm. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of right again in that halfway mark between the generations. So it's kids who are between 16 and probably 22 that that kind of came up with that, and then it kind of spread from there. Right. Um, and it's a it's a intergenerational conflict phrase, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting. It's really nuanced compared to other. Well, Steve, the boomers had don't trust anyone under 30, right? That was your thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was, in some, some ways, really similar. It was a very much a generation. I didn't hear that one. Don't trust anyone under 30. That was, that was, that was, that was, that was, that was 1970, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, it was, there was another one I don't recall, don't trust anyone over, too, because we were in that middle ground. Right. So if you're 41, so... Back in the day, in the 60s and the 70s, it would be don't trust anybody over 40. <laughs> so there was a little window well, there. Yeah. It was done, yeah. You're right. It was done to trust anyone over 40. Right. Right. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. That was yeah. the thing. Sorry. I, no, it might have even been 30. Yeah. And don't trust anyone right. over 30. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There was a documentary in the 80s called The Decline of Western Civilization. Have you guys heard of this? No. It was about the music scene of... of punk and metal and, and how that was rising into what what about 1980 middle of the 80s what that had all, all evolved into which I thought was was pretty interesting it was sort of like the boomers looking at generation X and going oh it's all going to hell now all right. these people are rebelling against our judeo-christian family values you know um, so yeah so and it's always that generational stuff's always been there mm-hmm. but it's just weird having it happen in this culture now because in some ways there's divides that are way more pronounced than they've ever been historically um the okay boomer thing is really interesting because it's a really it's where you know the phrase don't trust anyone over 30 is very kind of in your face you immediately know what it is it's fairly antagonistic yeah um Almost military kind right. of feels yes, to it, right? right? Yeah, it's, it's it's aggressive. Yeah, and OK Boomer is the opposite of that. It's incredibly <laughs> passive and dismissive, yeah. and uh, and and it's got a huge amount of depth to it. But it's a very simple phrase. Yeah, uh, and it kind of means different things to different people. But the heart of it is. Um, is addressing a very specific stereotype for the boomers, uh-huh. um, and it's and that's the first thing people have to realize: it's not talking about all boomers. It's talking about a very very specific right. stereotype that have, that has kind of eclipsed uh, all the negativity of that generation for the younger generations in terms of of how they think when they think of the negative aspects of that generation. That's kind of what they think of, and that tends to be white rich. Uh, in the boomer generation, uh, and very conservative, and you know anti-progressive almost, um, and it and it's speaking to one that stereotypes inability to converse in an adult conversation because mm-hmm. they're so certain 
And they're so incredibly dismissive of anybody younger than them that hasn't had the same experiences. And they seem to approach conversations with an incredible amount of arrogance and entitlement, and, and it's very condescending. Um, when they, they, They'll tell you, they'll sit there and they have no qualms telling you everything that's wrong about your life and your generation, despite the fact they may have only met you five minutes ago. <laughs> right. And they will just sit there and they will lecture you. Right. And they don't want to hear you say anything. They just want to peg you and drill you. Right. And unload all of their angst and frustration. <laughs> Project. Yes, and just... And, and when you're in a conversation like that, and it becomes obvious that they have no interest in listening, and they're that arrogant, the only thing you can do is say is wait till the, they run out of breath and find a gas you know they're gasping for air because they're about to start their next tirade and say okay and turn around and walk away uh, or just an okay boomer yes yeah. and that's where that comes the, the okay boomer is like yeah. okay yeah like look I'm going to interrupt you mid lecture and, and try and shut this down because right. this is going absolutely nowhere you have no interest in me as a person. Uh-huh. You have no interest in me, in my perspective on the world. You are just here to build yourself up, your own ego up, and, and you know, basically talk about how awesome you are right. and how horrible I am. And it's miserable. It's like the news clip. There was a news clip out there... Um, Put it at the beginning of the show. <laughs> so yeah. this, this, it's in New Zealand, and there's this young woman who's addressing Parliament there, and she's about twenty something, twenty two or something like that, and she's talking about climate change, and then some heckler from the from the Parliament, you know, says something, and that's her response. Okay, okay boomer, right. and then she just goes right along with, and that's it. and that's it's brilliant, and it's right. starting, to, and it, and she's using that. Not from a generational standpoint, uh-huh. but more from a dismissiveness of an anti-progressive, right. that absolute arrogant certainty, white, male, rich, privileged, really, really sure that they've got an absolute bead on all of human reality. Mm-hmm. Like, they are the peak of evolution. They've got this shit all figured out. If only you would sit down and listen to my infinite wisdom, <laughs> you would have your whole life laid out in front of you. I could do that for you. And that's the attitude that, that this stereotype comes to the table with. And that's what that's fighting against. Do you think, though, that there's also that stereotype reversed? I have a 50-year-old friend, and he's got it figured out. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell him differently. Because in his arrogance... It is, I have the answer. Why can't you see this? And that's my fear, and I never want to be that stereotypical boomer who won't listen. Right. Uh, that's some of the work that you've done, because I've kind of seen you change over the years. I've known you for, what, five, yeah, seven yeah. years, something like that yeah. now? Yeah. And you, like, I've seen you change, Steve. I've seen you turn from a kind of... A, a fairly dismissive guy. Yeah. And you wouldn't be, be totally vocal about it because I, yeah. I read people's body language. Right. <laughs> right. Like no, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. But, but you're willing to address, you know, because you value relationship, I think, you're willing to address things and, and, and listen. Right. Where, you know. Well, I think that's probably, probably what this group has done for me in the previous two seasons and even in, on, in carrying on is that it is in, it is 
presented me with a differing opinion and be able to sit in that differing opinion, or as you would say, sit in a room of difference. I value opinions that are not similar to mine because I know I don't have it understood. Uh-huh. I don't have it figured out. And my fear is that the younger people have that same openness to say, okay, let's listen. You have your opinion. I get it. And that's cool. But can you listen? Do we listen for information or do we listen for transformation or do we listen for confirmation? Is how I always view things. Because I'm listening now for information. I quit listening for confirmation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Fox News station is. Is it, You're not looking for information. You're looking yeah. for confirmation. I believe... Well, you're saying, so I'm going to listen to you. Yeah. Well, I listen to them all. It's like talk radio, too. There's just a lot of people just tuning in to their... Yes. That's something that was part of my passion around this project, too. Because I think that's that's not punk at all. Everyone's doing that, right? I'm tuning into the right-wing thing because these people agree with me, and that's what I'm going to absorb my news content from them. You know what Christians in the church call that? What? Being fed. Being fed. Oh, my boy. I'm getting fed. I, I, I need to go get fed today. Like, the pastor really, really gave me some stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. What this does that means even he, mean? He piled onto my confirmation bias. That's what that yeah, means. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, exactly he, is what that means. He built Amen. up that wall and a little if bit he higher. Doesn't, if that doesn't feed my yep. soul, then I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. 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 I'll find somebody that does agree. And that's where the church has turned into more like a sporting event than than something that like, is really right. feeding you, right? Like, a, I get fed watching the Seahawks. Yeah. Right? I get the feels, man. You're watching the... <gasps> everything's the happening. The band comes out. Yeah, and it gets everybody around us. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all going to... raise that 12th man flag. Dave there. Matthews raising the flag. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're all going to go irrationally cheer for someone that... For a bunch of people that didn't grow up around here. Yeah. And what was the Jerry Seinfeld thing? You're cheering for laundry. Right. Like that's the only thing that yes. any of those people on the yes. have in common is they're wearing the same uniform. Yes. Yeah. But but there's and that's the beauty of sports is it's fun to get that irrationally excited about that type of thing. Right. But yeah. when the religion when it starts to cross into religion, yeah. that's when this shit starts to get scary. Yeah. Like like, yeah, you're just kinda there was, well, that was the thing that at the end of the Mars Hill uh part of my life was I got tired of the me versus them. Yeah. Us and them. Yeah. You know, you're not on our team. Right. And that's 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 a sport analogy. Well, you're not a Seahawk fan. You're a 49er fan? Yeah. No, <laughs> I can em- I can embrace and be in a room with the 49er fan. I got one of my friends at, at the company I work for. He's a 49er fan. And we give each other we chat back and forth. And we I that was the thing at Marshall that really frustrated me was the us versus them. Yeah. If you believe like us, yeah. you're in. If yeah. you believe like them, you're out. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, they got really bad yes. at Mars Hill. It was even like basically, if you didn't attend Mars Hill, yes. you were some version of. And if you yeah. weren't in a community yeah. group, yeah. I felt intense commu- I felt intense pressure for community groups and redemption groups. Right. And I didn't do either. Yeah. And I was like, oh really? What's the matter? Oh, you're not a full member. <laughs> Are you saved? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah. There was just. Infinite numbers of circles, yeah. yes, leading all the way yes. to Mark. Yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, and, not, and not to rip on the church too much, but is that really the church? Because there was a there was a study. Some the, the unchurching guy did it. He wrote a book called Unchurching, and that was one of the things he he uh, he found is that when they surveyed people and asked him about the sermon, like what was this pastor's sermon three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. 
most people didn't have a clue. Right. right? right. <laughs> but they got fed. Right. right? They well, got fed. What does that mean? The beans are big churches, like mega churches. Because um, we want to feel good. Right. Yeah. That's why they go. Yeah. They and have I think that. even in the boomer, we want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel good about our beliefs. We want to feel good about our political agenda. I think that's where a lot of it... And so I was going to address the whole... Like, there's a reason stereotypes exist. Yeah. And so, and a lot of the stereotypes around millennials, at least superficially, are, are definitely true. There's good reasoning behind all of it. And I think that's the important part in all of this, is both understanding why the boomers feel the way they do and why the millennials feel the way they do. Uh, and millennials and, and Gen Z, I work with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that stuff, I think, is bullshit. I think the work ethic thing is, is way overblown. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely impatience, yeah. especially in conversations. Because they've had access, first of all, because they grew up on the internet, their ability to filter through uh, information quickly and summarize and get it in a nice, neat package and have the takeaway all summed up uh, and throw out the rest uh, is is really, really high. There's actually been some studies on this that the, there's never been a generation that can read through you know, five or six paragraphs, instantly tell you the point and the meaning behind what they're trying to say and also point out all this stuff that was bullshit. And when they get in conversation with a boomer, sometimes they struggle Oh, yeah. Like, oh, tell me what the fucking point is. Yeah, like I do that. Like, this is a very long rambling story, uh-huh. and I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> Can you please just tell me yeah. what it is you're trying to say? And they've, you know, and and all the media they've consumed has been very, very evolved to the point where they're they're reading the best stuff that people can possibly produce. And it's refined in a way that they can easily digest and summarize instantly. Right. So their patience for conversation can sometimes be really lacking. And I think boomers pick up on that and feel intimidated. Well, I do. I, I would admit that. I, I definitely do. My daughter is 24. To be, no, she's 25 now. She does that. It's just, what's the point Right. Mm-hmm. No, go to the point. And what I'm trying to do is be patient in the moment and sit with her and listen right. and let her go. You know, she'll talk about work. She'll talk about life. She'll talk about this and that and, and just sit there. And I'm in my head spinning. What's the point? Right. And she's expounding on this. And I'm like, okay. No, so guilty as charged. Mm-hmm. I own that. And I think that's what both sides ultimately are feeling is that they're not feeling engaged or listened to. Right. And listened to or heard. Or cared for, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Is like is a valued. Right. Yeah. And it's really it's also really interesting. First of all, just how how much time boomers want to spend teaching. Like they feel like they have something valuable to contribute. Yeah. We are the elders. Uh, right. That's a Judeo-Christian kind of a social right. norm too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's really tricky, especially when it comes to technology, oh, because because the boomers really gave themselves permission, which I understand now, getting into my late thirties, they gave themselves permission 
to just not engage with compu- computers and yeah. to be bad at it. Yeah. And for a while, they were able to get away with it. But as it became more and more integrated in society, it starts to become more and more embarrassing. Yeah. This is what it starts to become. Yeah. Where, where like you're, there's a certain threshold that you're expected to be able to kind of know what's going on. And a lot of the boomers are like, like it's kind of a little bit shocking sometimes mm-hmm. as a younger person engaging with them. Like you don't know how to like I don't. I don't even know where to start. You don't know how to do that. Right. Well, like, I'm an architect. guilty. Yeah, yeah. I just learned in the last year right click or left click on the mouse. Yeah, right. Now. There is a right click. You're kidding me. And it's so it's yeah. it's almost there's almost a level of horror. Yeah. In the younger no, generation of like, uh what? I don't I like like yeah, it's Are like sleep with the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Well and the beautiful thing is my daughter, my youngest daughter has so much patience with me. Right. Because even in an Excel spreadsheet, trying to trying to add to an Excel spreadsheet and then save it and email it? Oh, hell no. I mean, I'm Googling it. And, wow. and the one thing that boomers, if there's any boomers listening, you should know about millennials is that in general, if you admit weakness and fear, they are very open. Yes. Yes. Yeah, unlike to, your own generation. Right, un, right. <laughs> unlike the boomers, to be like, oh, boomers. I, yeah. I can help you through. That's fine. Because they, millennials as a generation are incredibly insecure and constantly feeling like they're overwhelmed and they don't really understand the adult world. And another adult coming to them and being like, I don't really get this. They can relate to that yeah. on an emotional level. Yeah. But what they can't tolerate is the boomer getting angry at them because that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden the boomer's blaming them for their inability mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. to do something yes. that feels incredibly yeah. basic. You or, dumb kid, you should know this while they while they just figured out the right. Well, you figured it <laughs> exactly, and, <laughs> and it's okay, boomer. It's birthed out of that, right? and it's and it's respect thing of like of of it's really hard to respect your opinion yeah. on my life when you can't do some of the very, very right. basic things that you need yeah. to be able to do to hold down a modern job. And, and to Steve's point, I think the boomer generation knows more the relational kind of, not all of them, but there's a lot of people skill kind right. of, maybe it's military-esque, right. but it's still people skill kind of adulting, right. like they're boss at adulting. Millennials are <laughs> terrible at sales. Millennials yeah. are really oh, bad yeah, at yeah. sales. And the extras in... Boomers are pretty damn good at it because they grew up in that culture. Right, right. Um, and 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 so yeah, they're able to make connections differently than the younger generation, and they do it differently than the younger generation. Yeah. And management, and there's also like uh, technological intelligence and savvy peaks when you're about 25, but emotional intelligence and savvy and, and understanding how people work peaks when you're around 50. So that still develops as you grow. So there is, I mean, there's definitely some value in that. The difficulty comes in, I think, a lot of the boomers getting so uh, upset and embarrassed and then curling in on themselves. Yes, yeah, I think you're spot- And yeah. lashing out because, uh, and I think that's a culture that was bred yeah. into them. And if they would just relax and say, I don't get this and I'm sorry like my brain doesn't work like it used to and I can't pick this up as quickly as I can 
and I apologize, I know I'm being a little bit of a pain in the ass, can you just slowly explain it to me? Mm-hmm. Most young people are totally cool with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. most of my daughters are. Yeah. They, and I, I admit to them, I said, you know, because I graduated in 1974. How many of you were, you were born in, but you weren't? I was six years old. <laughs> <laughs> the, the technology and the computer in my cell phone would have taken a city, it was the size of a city block. Right. Yeah. We had to put our phones on a modem and it sent a signal to another thing mm-hmm. to go there. And I remember the biggest thing was we had played chess. Well, and that, now that computer, I mean, calculators were huge. Yeah. Back in, they were over $100 for a, for a calculator. Yeah. yeah. And now you get them in cereal boxes almost. You could get an app on your phone for free. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, way better calculator. And yeah. that's the thing little I think out with of the boomers <laughs> is if we can just lower our shields, so to speak, and be vulnerable. Right. But that's mm-hmm. not how we were riz- or raised. So I did, I did some research. I had a couple of questions for both of you guys to maybe ponder. Um, isn't the phrase, okay, boomer, wildly popular because, number one, the popularity of memes, right? So like we, have a, we have an internet culture now that we didn't have before, so a good comeback is, can go viral. <laughs> well, the funny thing about... It is brilliant. It's two words. It's just, the, the best thing about okay, boomer is that for the people that invented it, it's completely dead. Like it's an old. It joke. started, I know, but it started Meme, in this year. Right, like it's a but 2019 Meme, thing. No, it's it really it's already, peaked. It peaked six weeks ago. Right, but it was dead three weeks ago, and that's meme culture. Meme mm-hmm. culture moves incredibly fast. A really, really successful, long living meme lives a month, and then it's dead. Right, and and an average meme that went wildly popular lasts about three or four days, and then it's gone, um, and so. The only reason we're still talking about it is because the boomers fixated on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. No, that's, that's right. The, yeah. the, and all the news stories, like the news is talking it's, about it's, it. It's, it's, somebody said that it is the new curse word. If, oh, the oh, N-word. Yeah, there was a, some, just some conservative talk radio yes. guy called it the new N-word, and he got a bunch of flack, and he ended up deleting the tweet, you yeah, know, but everybody yeah. gets a big screenshot, and it's made, and it made headlines, man. Well, a lot of my generation, a lot of my boomer buddies, are we're insecure, mm-hmm. because yeah. we're approaching that age, the, what I, I saw something that the average boomer's retirement is less than $25,000, yeah. mm. and that's that's freaking the hell out of us. Oh, yeah. Well, because we're thinking, what's next? And that's a weird thing, too, among the boomers, is that the boomers are the wealthiest generation in world history by a long shot, but it's really the upper 10%. Yeah. The upper 10% yeah. has $9 trillion yeah. in assets. And the rest of them don't have much no. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and really, and it's really the the worst of the of the uh, boomers is that ten percent, right? And, um, and fortunately, honestly, I'm not a, I'm not in that group of twenty five thousand or less. Right. But yet, it's still scary because you think today we are living so long, right? That we were going to outlive whatever things. So most of my generation. Our retirement is we're going to keep working. Right. And I think the younger generation sees that a lot of that comes is just anxiety. Yeah. And our, ge- our younger generation can recognize anxiety because we struggle with anxiety constantly. Mm-hmm. 
the frustration is the boomer's inability to admit it. Yeah, yeah. I think and right. just say so, uh, I'm feeling pretty anxious. Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard about uh, Soul Pancake on YouTube? Have you guys seen any of those? Mm-hmm. No. So Soul Pancake was started by uh, Rain Wilson. Actually, was oh yeah, really? helped fund that. And he's he's a pretty deep thinker. He's interesting. Yeah. He's a Baha'i. He grew up in the Seattle area. And yeah, it's part of his religious. Uh, so who is Rain Wilson to those that might not be familiar with <laughs> Rain Wilson? Rain Wilson was on The Office. He played Dwight. Dwight, yeah. Dwight on The Office. office. Yeah. yeah. And he's a local Seattle guy. Everybody goes, oh, I know him. I didn't know his name was Rain Wilson. Yeah. He basically <laughs> he did a few movies. played the opposite yeah. character of who he really is as a person. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's just probably why he did such a good job playing that character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you just have to do the opposite of his own. Follow him on Instagram if you get a chance because he's cool on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. But that was one of the things he shared was there was a study out of USC that said exactly what you're talking about, Derek, that millennials and X or, or Zoomers, Zoomers they're called, right? Generation Z. Yeah, just Gen Z. Struggle with, yeah, struggle with anxiety and depression in more Huge than numbers. any other culture. Huge numbers, right. yeah. There's a, there's a, there was a class that somebody started as a, as a kind of a sociology kind of project in a way to maybe address some of this. And they just they just titled the class Friends. Yeah. And it has a huge waiting list. Like right now it's the most popular the most popular classes that elective kind of thing that you sign up for uh, at USC is is called Friends. How I'd to say be a friend. At least twenty five percent, and that might be a really conservative estimate of meme culture is about anxiety and suicide. Mm. They talk about it constantly. Mm. It just comes up over and over and over yeah. and over. Yeah, suicidal ideation. It, might be, it might be like 40%. Mm. That's boomers? No, that's millennials. Millennials and, and Z, really. Really? Gen Z, they they love suicide jokes. Really? They really love suicide jokes, yeah. Maybe because if you can make fun of it, it takes away right, its sting. Right, it takes away its sting. Or, yeah. or its, its scariness, yeah. Here comes the big grim reaper out of the bushes and you throw snowballs at him or yeah. something, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting too. Some of the some of the numbers I heard about about Gen X is guys in their forties and fifties are now committing suicide at the rates of, of teenagers yeah. and and zoomers. Um, which is is pretty startling, you know. Like that's never been a thing since we've been measuring it. But now in a culture where I think you know a lot of boomer culture, and then that kind of went into my generation. I think, and going back to that film that I saw so many years ago that still stuck with me, the decline of Western civilization. Like they follow this one guy who's in this band called Odin, and that was sort of his thing. Like this band is going to be successful, and I'm going to be like Jim fucking Morrison, or I'm just going to die, right. and I don't fucking care. And he did. He ended up dying of a heroin overdose, which is really sad. But it also is sort of a reflection of the generation of success. Like we followed, and then the millennial culture came along and said, I don't really value material things, right? right? Like that's what I love about the millennial culture is like, you know, um, my lawyer uh, talked about that, like getting this big job and this big firm in Seattle and working 12 to 16 hours a day and then looking at his, uh uh-uh, like that's (laughs) not what I want in my life. And he, you know, he teaches and does things at the colleges and, and helps struggling entrepreneurs like me. And I'm, if you're listening, Nick, I, I know I still owe you probably $500. <laughs> I'm working on that. Um, but I love that. 
right? And he lives in a crappy apartment on Capitol Hill, and he's happy. Right. Not making a shit ton of money having Kutag sports cars in his, in his garage. Um, yeah, it comes to, it, you know, there's, there was an older generation of shoot for the stars, and the millennials are more like, well, can I, you know, maybe shoot for a cloud? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like I can still accomplish things, yeah. but my rate of success doesn't have to be, doesn't have to destroy my life. Yeah. Like, I can have a fairly, I can have, or I can pick a level at which to exist and maintain it and not have to constantly be right. pushing myself so hard that it nearly breaks me. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be, especially... Not being older. riddled with this suicidal ideation and the, and right. the and anxiety. Well, and it was the whole, was the, it stretched into the, into the boomers, but it's really, you know, silent generation that was just obsessed with lawyers and doctors, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. everybody wanted their kid to be a lawyer or a doctor, yeah. And that was that ideal mm-hmm. of of push yourself to the to the greatest success mm-hmm. um, possible. So that and and the sick thing about that was that was really kind of a parenting ego thing. Yeah, like I want you to be successful. I don't want to do the work, but yeah. I want to be able to brag about yeah. how successful you were as a person. I think that's part of even youth sports, right. is that we want our kids to be what we weren't right, or what we couldn't achieve. Yeah. I know my dad lived a lot of his years through me. You know, He wanted me to be what he wasn't. You know, he wanted me to be a, a Christian pastor. Yeah. He wanted me to be a baseball player. And I think in my generation, the thing is that we want to present a, a persona or an image that we're not. And if you start peeling back the, the mask, it scares the hell out of us. Yeah. Because we're going to be vulnerable. And I know my generation, we're afraid of being vulnerable. There's definitely some frustration among the younger generation over the whole... Because we recognize that. And one of the common phrases that we all heard as a kid is I don't want you to suffer like I did. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And then we didn't, and then we grew up, and they, and then the older generation was furious that we didn't know how to suffer. Right. <laughs> it's like, you fucker <laughs> made me. I'm a monster because of you. Yeah. Like, you can't, you, you don't get it both ways. No. Like, I don't know how to suffer because you set my whole life up. So that I wouldn't have suffer. To suffer yeah. And now you're upset oh, wow. that I don't know how to suffer. Yeah. Like, yes, that's you're so right. True. I don't know how to suffer. Yeah. But that's the natural consequence of you making my life, my childhood, so fucking easy. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so is it, what if, the, what if, what if everyone's doing that though? Like what if, I think that every generation kind of does that. Like we want our best for our kids. Right. I think the way it's projected, we found out, well, that didn't work, right? We kind of look at history and, you know, sociology, and we go, oh, yeah, that didn't work. I think the problem was imagination. Yeah. Like, they're imagining in that moment, I don't want you to suffer like I did, but I'm imagining myself, I'm imagining you as me now, but with less emotional baggage. That's what they have in their head. Right. Like, if I didn't suffer like that, then uh, I would be exactly like I am right now, but I wouldn't have so much emotional pain. And in reality, all their suffering gave them some stuff that yeah. made them who they were. Yeah. And it came with some nasty stiff stuff, but it also taught them to handle some stuff better. And you don't get it both ways. Right. So you, you, yeah, so if you raise your kid to n- never suffer, 
you don't get to be frustrated when right. they don't know how to suffer. Yeah. Like that's... that's well, I'm trying to remember if... I had participation trophies when I was growing up in sports. Which my do- my oldest and I disagree on this because I don't know I don't I don't like them I don't think we need them and I, the whole idea of a participation trophy is you get something just because you showed up. The thing about participation trophies, first of all, someone pointed out participation trophies were for the adults, not for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's good. <laughs> that, yeah. The kids. That's a thing. I right? want you to be suffering. I don't want you to feel bad. Right. I want yeah. you to play sports. Yeah. That's good for you, but I don't want you to feel bad. That was for the soccer moms. That wasn't for the kid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, or the soccer dad. Right? Or the yeah. soccer dad. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, the ponytail the but then stuff. also, <laughs> it's great for some kids and it's horrible for others. Right. Yeah. Just like hardcore breakneck competition is great for some kids. And it destroys others. Yeah. So there's, you can't help everybody. You can't do all the things for everybody. So some kids really do get something out of that participation trophy, and it helps yeah. them emotionally evolve, and it can be supportive for them. And other kids get spoiled by it, yeah. and that's just. Yeah. We've got a backpack full of participation trophies for my youngest. Yeah. My youngest says throw them away. I say throw them away. My wife says, No, are you sure you don't want them? See, yeah. told you. Yeah, it's for her. It wasn't yeah. for your daughter. Your yeah. Wife. Yeah. 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 They were giving my, themselves trophies. Yeah. Both my kids kind of looked at them as kind of bullshit trophies, too. It was sort of like, well, you know, right. we didn't really earn that. That's just kind of I think it depends on the kids. Sort of yeah, like, if right. a kid's That's fairly good. intelligent but naturally cynical, they're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. yeah. But if they're fairly, they can be intelligent, but if they're kind of soft kids... They can appreciate like oh like I that, did that, that felt good. Yeah. Yeah. I love participation yeah. trophies. Growing up, yeah, uh, I remember when I was twelve years old, I got written up in the local paper as leading my all-star team to a championship game, and Steve Carter played so and so, and he went two for three with three RBI. I love that. Because that's where I was looking for. I was looking for that affirmation. Mm-hmm. I was looking for that, I'm okay. For the kid who tried really fucking hard and was terrible at it because they had no national talent, right. it's great. Right. Right. Like, because they can look exactly. at it and be like, I was, as an adult, I was fucking terrible at that. But yeah. that makes me remember that might be a, that might have been the moment I developed a work ethic. Right. Right. Like, that's where I learned to work my ass off, even though. I was absolutely terrible at that. Right. Um, and that's a that's a physical manifestation of that. So that can be great. Right. But but the kid who where's my fucking <laughs> <laughs> I worked. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 And you did yeah. shit and you were a little yeah. shit and you were talking <laughs> smack the whole time. And fuck you, you little <laughs> you, you little <laughs> asshole. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Here's so if you're a boomer out there, <laughs> yeah. give us some grace, dudes. Listen, they got some wisdom. Yeah, you got to... Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. No, and this, this, is gotta, the, this is the kind of quickly dismissive eye roll. This is something I wrote down, too. Like, that's something we do to other eyes, you know, rather than understand. Right. I think OK Boomer is like is like that. Oh, yeah. I'm not shitting on it for that reason. I'm, I'm trying to highlight a way that we all project... And we all otherize the other generation. or the At the heart of it, OK Boomer is incredibly dismissive. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Is, is 
Like, I can't wait to get out of this conversation and never think about you ever again. <laughs> that is, I want that so deeply right now. Right. I'm just waiting for the relief of that moment when you shut the fuck up. No, that's the millennial speaking or the boomer speaking? That's the millennial speaking. That's the millennial okay. speaking. Yes. Or the zoomer speaking, right? Yeah, saying, yeah. okay, boomer. Yeah. Like, and, that, and also, yeah. like, lets them have the last word, right? Yeah. Okay, boomer. Out, like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Signing off, like the woman in that in that press conference, like that was so yeah. poignant at that time. I guess you know, trying to envision a world where people can come to the table that staying in the room with difference, as as Jim Henderson said. His book, by the way, is out on Amazon now. Oh. Uh, the Three Practice Group, how to kind of I'll read it. Do this, and it, it's interesting. But that's the thing. He's like. Okay, boomer, like you're saying, Derek, is that is that part of what you feel? Is it's it's kind of a a shove back to people who won't even do that. They won't even entertain staying it's, in the room with different. Yeah, it's saying yeah, it is that. Yeah, it's saying you are so beyond. You have you appear to have no interest in me as a person and no interest in having this conversation other than a way for you to build up your own ego. Mm. And I'm not participating, mm-hmm. so I'm out. Right. If I ever do that, call me. Up. I'll just say, "Okay, boom." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes there's already okay, a phrase boomer. for it. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> that's awesome. Because that's one of the things I pride myself on is that I'm listening. Right. I'm trying to understand, and I gain from being in that relationship. Right. And I think that's all that's asking for. Right? Yeah. And and so yeah, and I think you know, moving forward, as so boomers, as you get into those conversations. Try just being vulnerable, and I think you'll be shocked that the millennials pick up on that and are very, very gentle with that. And millennials try and see, or millennials or Zs, try and see the anxiety. When that boomer is talking to you, it's probably coming out of fear and anxiety. It's a scapegoat, right? There's a bit of scapegoating going on. Focusing on that and trying to be gentle to that, even though that person might be... Being a complete yeah. prick. Yeah. Um, just yep. seeing their, I don't know, scared little kid yeah. uh, that doesn't know what the hell is going on. Exactly. You're pushing all the buttons that I have going <laughs> on in my head yeah. because that's where we are. Yeah. We're afraid. Yeah. yeah. Here's a, here's a, a, a reminder to the, the, the boomers out there. This is a song that came out October 13th, 1965. It was written by The Who. And it's called My Generation. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you all f- fade away my, 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 my talking about what my generation and don't try and dig what we all say talking about my generation. Not trying to cause a big sensation. Just talking about my generation. That was the boomers. That was a that, that was, was okay a boomer. That was a boomer thing, yeah. And now, you know, yeah, getting to the point where dismissing the millennials and not really listening to the Gen Zers. Like, what do you expect? Like, this was your anthem back in the day. Which is funny because for the first time in history, millennials have access to all that shit. They have video and they have audio and they have music Uh and they can be like... What the fuck? Like mm-hmm. the I where I am right now is exactly where you oh, yeah. were. Oh yeah. Why why can yeah. I why can't you remember? Yeah. Like like how the hell did you get from there to here? Yeah. Like cuz I cuz I know for a fact you were listening to that music 
and you're going to those protests, yep. and I've yep. seen you in yep. fucking pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. like bare ass naked, and yeah. fucking, you know. And you went Peyton Ashbury, and you turned into the man. Like <laughs> yeah. that's what you you are right now. You are the fucking man. Holy How shit. the hell did that happen? Yeah. And they, yeah, like we have video. Oh, photographic oh, yeah. evidence <laughs> yeah. of that shit. Yeah, right. got movies yeah. about and, it. Like, how do you not remember? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to the millennials, remember. Right. That's what I hope. Yeah. That's my remember. big hope for my generation. Yes. Is that we'll be able to take this angst and frustration, and when our kids' kids come to us, we can be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how that right. feels. That's how that feels. I, I remember that, that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not that's a great a, that's feeling. Song, my generation. That's a feeling. That's just birthed yeah. out of a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And love you. Later. Out. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Views expressed by Punk Theology are just that, our fucking views. So get ready for a collective eye roll as I get the old Punk Theology robot to engage in some lawyer speak so we can cover our asses by explaining things that, to most humans, are painfully obvious. The podcast, Punk Theology, the website, punktheology.com dot org dot net etc are for informational and entertainment purposes only and do not intend to supplement replace or substitute any professional psychological medical or legal or other counsel the punk theology group or the punks make no representations of being healers counselors mental health experts or professionals in any way shape or form artists content providers and or guests on or of the podcast do not warrant an endorsement recommendation or seal of approval of punk theology its current members or past present or future guests if you struggling with have specific concerns or feel you're in a situation in which you require professional psychological physiological or medical advice the punks implore you to please consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project LLC, who is responsible for its content. Punk Theology is primarily funded by donations from generous listeners who have been impacted by its message. Go to punktheology.org or patreon.com slash punktheology to be a co-producer of the podcast. Thanks for your patronage, kindness, and ears that hear. The punks greatly value your listenership. Big hugs from all the punks and a big thanks for just effing doing and being you. I'll be back. In this episode you heard, Hanu Dixit's song, Punkin' Donuts. You also heard, Eviction, by Silent Partner from the copyright-free YouTube audio library. That's a huge bitch!